attention. Studio A, there it is. The next radio show will be seen to having some form of bleed over from the other radio show. So, so other radio show, if you can hear us, you, you have to hang up the server. I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to talk over until that's taken care of. Yeah. There is a level of responsibility and respect that, you know, one radio show has to another, and, you know, hanging on is kind of not exactly nice. They're not what's on Studio B, either. Yeah. Maybe they were just playing something. What does that mean? I mean, we're put here on this planet... That or there's something going on in the actual, you know, playing in the studio itself and something's crossed over. Okay, well, let me put the call down for a minute and see if I can get Hawk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go on a pause for just a minute until we discover what's going on with the technical issues and we'll be right back. Wait a minute, I'll, I've got, I'll just call his phone number. ...dynamics in a very creative way with all of our insights and all the aspirations that are given to us as... As, as attributes, and, and like, Hello. Yeah, it, it, Hello, this is Laura Solomon trying to produce for Andrew Bartzist, and we've got something else going on on Studio A. Oh, okay, hold on, uh, I'll get Hawk. Well, that's okay, thank step. you. All right, bye. You see, you've got to you've got to realize this, and then you know if you listen to what we're saying, and you you say, well, I'd really like to use that in my well, life. Well, they're but replaying then tomorrow, Gordon. You, you see, to have all these beautiful thoughts, Gordon, that, that doesn't Leonardo. take you anywhere. This is a final exam is coming up, Shut and that's up, the Gordon. graduation. <laughs> and the test is, can you take this knowledge, this new information that you have? No, we cannot and take can this you new put knowledge it into and practice information. In a real situation, in a real situation, is your life tomorrow? What are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to still be there in the fear spectrum, but you're going to be saying, well, I'm oh, thinking beautiful thoughts, so I'm, oh, I'm a better person. Oh, no, you're not a better person until you actually integrate your intentions and your behavior, not just your intentions. Hello, you can't be sitting there on the couch hello. going, well, I'm just gonna try this is to see really if beautiful. I'm a wonderful person. This is all going to work out. No, it's not going to work out. You have to make it work out. And the way you make it work out, the creative you have first the idea and then you put it Playing into motion. It. It's a tape. You can't they, just sit he, there he was and saying not go this the anywhere. other You've night when when he really yeah. was on. Yeah. Oh, it stopped. Yay! Yay! There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Adventures into Reality. I am joined by my international co-host, Kathy Ma. Hello. How Very are you good doing to be today? here. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing better. Things have been a bit weird, so uh, every day is a nice, bright, sunshiny new day. So for, for last week, uh, you had uh, a, a very close person pass on in your family, and it happened to be a very unique date that that happened also. And this is the time where we want to take and talk about the morning energy, because so many people have lost loved ones in their life. And a conversation between you and I can go a long way at assisting people to see the different perspectives that we have. Mm. Yes. Um, in fact, it was my father-in-law passed away um, just last week. And it was um, unexpected. It was uh, an accident. Uh, he was older, so 
the actual passing, I suppose, wasn't such such a shock as the way it happened. Um, but it was, it was very, very strange in the sense of uh, he fell in the house and went into hospital. And for me, when I was looking at it, it was just before Easter. And in Asia, we believe that anyone that is sick or ill or elderly that is in hospital before a big festival um, may not have the energy to pass into this festive day. So no one ever wants to be in hospital at this kind of time. In fact, um, quite a few years ago, my father was in hospital um, with some heart problems and it was the eve before Chinese New Year and we had to beg the doctors to let him out just for the night because he was very scared that he would not survive the evening had he stayed there for Chinese New Year. So when this happened with my father-in-law, of course, you know, in your heart you want everything to be good and okay, but you already have the preparation because you can already tell that this is not a good timing in terms of, you know, the overall energy and when you look at the the uh, energies of the universe and the festivals. So he um, probably, I know, stuck with it for a few days and then on Easter, he passed away, um, which, you know, was very, very weird. I mean, he would have really loved that because he is very religious. So um, passing away on the same day as Jesus dying was probably, you know, he couldn't have chosen a better date for that. Um, but then for me, it was very tough because my father had died um, just two years ago. So on the exact same day. Well, the the funeral was on the exact same day, so... <laughs> same thing, though, in our world. I know. It, it was just, you know, you're already preparing for this Remembrance Day of my own father and, you know, feeling a bit sad and, you know, obviously you know that his soul is in a better place, you know, and doing whatever it is he's doing. Energetically, you know that it's all okay, but, you know, that there's grief within yourself because you miss him, you mourn him. And then to have, you know, the my father-in-law, who I'm very close to, you know, go, you know, as you say, nearly the same day is just, wow. And I don't believe in coincidences. I mean, there's no way this is a coincidence. So there's a big tap on the shoulder by, you know, upstairs, universe, whatever energies that's just, was just weird. Um <laughs> It's its own way of reminding you of what you went through in that one year in your grieving process, or the two years of grieving process, and that you have a message to pass on to this grieving process. You know, I, I really do believe that that is true, because I, because I was in that kind of energy before this started, and everything was so cl clear and fresh in my mind, when this happened, those few days in hospital, I had an incredible, clear presence of mind of what to do, what to say to my father-in-law, how to deal with it, um, not so much how to comfort the family, but how to explain, you know, things to them uh, of someone who is lying there and really not that with it, but you know that they're still there. So you need to talk to them and, and treat them as if they were awake and still there. Um, and to deal with the grieving process even before it started, I mean, that, that that is a hard one. And one of the things that I found interesting was touch, 
you know, because I spent most of the time holding his hand and, and stroking his shoulder and, and obviously trying to get him to not pull the tubes out um, or the monitors. And it was, it was interesting to me to see that how many people, because all his family came, I mean, they truly love him, but the, the sense of touch was just not so much of an awareness with everyone and to show them that, you know, he needs comfort in a physical way, even though his mind is not there, but to even, you know, stroke his forehead, just put a hand on his shoulder to speak to him as if he was there, you could see he became less agitated, even though he wasn't totally conscious. And that was a, a big thing, I think, that I may not have had the presence of mind to explain that to people had I not already been in that space. Uh, yeah, had you not already been in that space. You know, and then the culture clash from the Asian expression of mourning to a more American-centric focus of mourning. Yes, I mean that was a, a big, big thing. I mean, we we talked a lot about what would happen, and um, I had uh, suggested maybe putting a few mementos, like you know, letters from the grandchildren or pictures, um, into well, he was getting cremated, so into his container um, just as a, a grief process or a, a way to be involved and, and to facilitate the grieving process but um, you know that was met with some resistance um, and I'm not that sure that I would have considered that a cultural difference more to the fact that Perhaps people have just different ideas of what's going on. I mean, of course, my logical mind knows that he's not taking these with him to anywhere. Um, mm. But my emotional being, you know, you, you want to say goodbye. You want to be part of that grieving process and to release that energy. And you can't give them anything else, even though it is just a body there. It's, it's a gesture, I suppose mm. you could say. Um, in Asia you burn things for them to take with them to heaven um, and in Australia sometimes we put mementos in um, just to say goodbye so in this case uh, not everyone got that opportunity but um, it was interesting to see the, the differing opinions and thought processes people had about it uh, so I did put something in there so it, it made me feel good. It gave me a sense of closure. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I don't know. I think for the rest of my life, I'm going to take that with me, is that I know that he had that with him, even though it is just Ash now. <laughs> it, it is uh, something that he valued, and he would have been most aghast not to be without. <laughs> right. So when it comes to mourning, everyone experiences it different. And you now have this experience twice in, in, in now two years. And there are others that have a, a series of deaths around them, and then it goes 10, 12 years before it's again. And how, how do you see the, the cyclical forms of, of people passing on? Because, you know, as we grow older in life, people in our life do pass on, and then the next wave, and the next wave. I think that... You know, as just a being in this world and this reality that we're in, of course we're touched by grief. Even though you know that the, the being or the soul is released into the universe and going on to bigger and better things, 
we are in these bodies and these bodies have emotions and the grief process does need to be looked at, does need to be dealt with and worked on through because if you do not reconcile this, you know, and by reconcile I don't mean, you know, immediately have to reconcile. I mean, it will take some time. But if you can't release this and let it go, uh, it, it, you do carry it forward and it does tend to repeat itself in some form within yourself. So if, let's say for me, you know, my father passed away almost two years to the day and then it should happen again, it tells me that there's something that I haven't fully reconciled with, I haven't fully incorporated into myself and I need to address that to move forward and not re-experience these kind of um, emotions or situations again. Not that I have control over what happens, you know, with other people's lives, but the, the uh, I don't like to use the word coincidence because I don't really believe in coincidence, but the odd timing of it is like a, a tap on the shoulder, like, hello, <laughs> get with it. Or, or, or a balloon popping in the background scaring you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's two different, see, tapping on the shoulder and then a balloon popping and scaring you. Yes, you're right. More like the balloon popping, yes. More like the balloon popping. Yes. And it's not that you're terribly scared of the balloon popping because you realize it's a balloon, but you were you were you had that flinch moment. Mm. And that's the yes. spiritual flinch of having to deal with something that's drastically unknown. Mm. Yes. Yes, and and you know, a lot of it for me, I I, I think it's about fear, you know, fear of being on my own. I mean, obviously, I'm not on my own, but for me, my relationship with my father was, uh, you know, he was my protector, my shelterer, you know, my go-to guy. As long as he was around, nothing could touch me. And so, you know, I, I have felt out of sorts and um, uh, not not uh, unprotected, but... Um, I don't have that security. And then, of course, I had that with my father-in-law also. So now it's kind of like I have to work on, I guess, on myself and work out to find a way to be okay with that and to know that they taught me good things, they were really helped me throughout my life, but now I do have to go that on my own and I don't need to have that. I can find it within myself, but just finding a way to do it without fear. Exactly. A way to do it without fear. Hmm. A way to walk into the future where the unknown doesn't project back at you your own reflections of fear. Hmm. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to face, you know, to look in a mirror and think, what? How can I have that kind of fear? But... Ultimately, it is, and it's something that you've held on to all your life, and it's hard to acknowledge within yourself. And, you know, and then there's another perspective. It's the generations passing, something mm. we have experienced since time immemorial in all of our past lives. We've had those moments where family members have passed off and someone was the last in the family lineage. Mm. The torch is being passed to this generation. We are the generation of the now that bears the responsibility of living and acting and grieving in the now. Yes. 
That's so true. And when you say it, it it gives me a sense of calm to acknowledge that out loud. Mm-hmm. So real quick, for everyone that's out there that's ever had a family member that's been lost, here is some words that you can use in your own private process. I, in this moment of now, choose to acknowledge all members of my ancestral lineage who have been lost without someone there to mourn them. To all other members of all other soul families who have passed with people there but unable to mourn their passing, I open the infinite energies of this universal portal into full incarnate thought so that all beings in all lineages, in all places, in all times have a sacred neutral witness to bear their passing into the Akashic record so the astral worlds of ancestors can receive them and heal them and allow them to return to their natural source dream process of exploring the universe in a unified format. Wow. That makes me feel very peaceful. Those are the scales at which we can take our personal morning energy and direct it to the rest of the source that's around us that is experiencing the same form of loss but from their own perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, Kathy, we have a unique show ahead of us. Mm. So we are going to open up to calls. So if you want to call uh, want to call in 347-688-2902 or you can call via Skype. Um, they would have to do Freedom Screen um, on Skype to get in. I want to remind everyone, Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com is a listener-supported station. So drop on by that site support button and keep corporate rate free radio going. So we are waiting for the first caller. Mmm, tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> How do um, you view the circle of life? Um, one second there. We have our first caller. Caller 447, are you there? Hello? Okay, 447, Hello? you have to turn off your, your turn off your radio. 447, your name and where you're okay. calling from? Yes. My name is Mona. I call from London. Mona from London. How are you doing today? Yeah, I didn't expect to get through now, so that's a nice advice. Well, you are the first caller. So what kind of questions do you want to ask today? Oh, my God, am I on the show? I thought I would just talk with the moderator. No, you're live on the show. (laughs) Okay, hello, everybody. How are you doing today? Yeah, I I had a very interesting uh, day. Like, you know, I removed... uh, some interdimensional handlers like yesterday in a holographic kinetic session and it was my third one in a row now like and uh, it's been quite a game changer and I'm <clears throat> I'm feeling at the moment I'm at such a crossroad and something that I've been in a way planning for and strategizing towards my whole life and now I'm a bit um, yeah, I'm a bit, I, I kind of like, I feel, um, I'm, 
I'm I'm not connecting like you know, um, or I shall better like say I'm, I'm uh, I don't want to connect lucidly, for example, with my dream body or in general, you know, with uh, the so-called unseen world. Even though I've felt the the, the 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 call of my spirit since day one, and I um, I'm wondering, you know, what the blocks are to actually move. The blocks like are not actually to, not the, so much like the blocks are actually in your body real. itself. The blocks are actually in your body yeah. body itself. It is in your parasympathetic training that you've gone over the many years to deny the mystical experience as a part of your daily life. And what is going on here is at a very young age, you denied the mystical and denied the mystical and went through a series of mystical denials between age 7 and 19. And there is where you set up your programs to literally to give the parasympathetic the power to stop the physical and spiritual interactions with the memories that are retained with them. The not wanting to connect to your dreaming body is where those mystical experiences were happening and that's where those rules were set up. You and the individual being has to scan your life process and find at what stages you gave your power away to the parasympathetic to stop these spiritual experiences because you had no one to reference them with. Because you had no, sorry, that connection. You have no reference to them, correct. You disconnected yourself from that version of no time. And you were living just in the fraud time alone. And many, many people are in this exact same scenario. They're stuck in fraud time. So the holographic kinetics uh, process that you went through, you said you were disconnected from astral controllers? Yeah. So during yeah, that quite process, a few of them. Did, you, did you feel an actual release out of your crown chakra or parts of your body? Um, I felt a, a, a quite a profound release, like, you know, after the session. I mean, like, you know, I, I think I was... I was too much in a freeze and obviously also not really trusting. Like, you know, I, I know that in many ways I am compliant to this process. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not kind of, like, I, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm terrified, like, you know, from, like, the terror, like, and, and if I'm releasing that, that the terror will come, like, and revisit me in terms of, like, in the form of, like, you know, portal openings, in front of me and I can't control what's coming in and out and what's kind of like, you know, um, yeah, what's literally like, you know, kind of invading me because that was my, the, the experience I think I had as a child. Yes, and that's exactly why your dream world was cut off from you, why you cut off the mystical because something came and was whispering into your physical ear while you were asleep and dreaming. It, what it was doing was yeah. using your body to read your dream world like a television. And it would use, it would wait mm. for a moment of drama within the dream to add and still a parts of fear into the physical body, which would then force the dreaming body to come rapidly back to the regular body, and you would go through a state of shock, and were caught in paralysis where the being would feed off you over and over again. Yes, I kind of, I mean, Andrew, I have done a lot of, in, in many ways, like, you know, I think I have, I have signed up for this also to study, you know, victim consciousness and oh, like absolutely. I shall say the yeah, yeah, mind. Like but I but I, I'm kind of I think I'm done with this now. Like, you know, and I'm sitting on some really quite profound stuff that I would really like to bring into the world and I'm sitting on that for a long time now. 
Okay, Mona, hold, hold on. Yeah, hold on just a second. That is our music at the break. We'll come right back to you after the after the break. Okay, thank you. And welcome back, everyone. Caller, are you there? Yes. So yes, I'm here. We, uh, we were talking before about your holographic kinetics uh, session and the disconnecting from astral controllers and then the dream world at a young age. So this is a moment in your particular healing where you need to identify the young girl, which is through pictures or through memories where you know your life was really tough. And with your current present I am self, visualize her in your own mind manifest a hologram in your own mind of what she looks like and there is where you need to tell her your future story give her your love so that she can begin to disconnect from these beings and remind that hope still springs eternal mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay? that is something you'll you want mean to as do a daily practice. As, as a daily practice for about four or five months and maybe every three days every three or five days but it is something that you have to have to do so that you can integrate that soul shard so that mm -hmm. being is a part of you again and not a separate compartment that is access to your sympathetic and parasympathetic to trigger you into reactions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah because it, it, it's very correct like when you said that's actually happening in my body like you know it, it, it was and that it was almost like a whole separate and two separate entities like within me like the male and the female completely like you know i mean i yeah i was for most of my life trying to be a man and uh, uh, not quite worked out so well <laughs> um and i wanted to actually like you know a part of like you know what you just uh, outlined I mean, for me, it's all about like, you know, okay, how do I anchor these changes? Now, I want to get as real and as practical and as much like, you know, like here and now as possible. And I'm deeply committed, you know, because I'm, I mean, I have not come here, like, you know, to keep entertaining that shit. I mean, so, so what, what would you get two things like, you know, what else would you kind of recommend? I mean, you know, um, and um, the second thing like maybe I can come to that uh, later. Like you know, yeah, there's a there's the reason why I keep avoiding the public, and you know, um, I'm sitting on a on on a what I would call a, a structural solution. It's mm -hmm. like physically about like you know the reclamation of empty buildings, but it's meta metaphysically rooted in creative consciousness. I think I'm, I'm echoing now. That piece you'll have to put on your mute, or we'll have to hang up on you. So I want to bring Kathy in here real quick to talk about planning some of your, your future into dealing with some of the hermit energy that's around you. Hi, hmm. Mona. Um, when you said you were sitting on a lot of structural things, what, what do you, what, could you explain that a little bit to me? Yeah, it's a communal business blueprint. I mean, uh, and it's exportable. It's uh, it's it's kind of like in many ways, like you know, many things. It can be viewed as a school. It's a deprogramming center, a healing, a healing center. It's kind of like a way, you know, to completely re-educate, you know, people uh, onto creator consciousness. I mean, like you know, it's 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 a business. You know, it's a community. You know, and it's not it's not prescriptive as such. There are some there are a lot of like universal 
building blocks, but there's nothing prescriptive in terms of like, you know, that there is a, a, one massive component, component is really to empower the individual to be who they are so they can naturally sustain the group. So do so you there's mean... A, there's a lot of... Sorry, go on. Such as the spirit, it's a kind of it's a dynamic container and it literally could work anywhere in the world. So it's, do you mean it's like a, like a, a blueprint or a, a plan that you could transport, you know, apply anywhere in the world? And it's almost like a community, communal centre type of thing where you can focus on one or multiple types of healing or ideologies. Is that right? It's in a way like a platform, yeah, like, you know, for, I mean, my, my thing is like, you know, uh, Katie, yeah, Katie? Yes. Yeah, so, so you know, my thing is not so much like, you know, I mean, I have like set up this whole thing and people have, many people have tried to jump on this bandwagon and I have been quite protected because of so many people wanting to cut corners and compromising on the principles. But for me, it's more about like, you know, that I need to in a way like, you know, come into my own. I'm actually like, you know... Uh, I'm, uh, my real calling, like you know, is is a is a pre, is to step into this art artist like, like slash, you know, yeah, visionary role and like and really like you know embody that myself. And I've been mm. sitting as as well as on this solution. I've been sitting on on this business solution. I've been sitting on my own artwork for a very long time. I keep hiding in the closet, and okay. I I know now the first the first step would actually need to be, a com, you know, like a, a studio, like, you know, where I need to bring in a, a, an investor. And I have, like, even kind of put together an investment package that is very attractive, like, you know, but I'm looking for people, for the right person, but I hardly okay. go out. Mm -hmm. you know, I understand. All the change is literally just happening now. Okay. Mm. Okay. I think I get the picture. Um, all right. Let me come at this a different way. When I look at your energy, to me, it looks like you do have a lot of plans, which you have explained to me. Um, but it, there's a, a lot, lot of what? plans. You have a lot of plans, a lot of ideas, a lot of oh, concepts. Yeah. Um, but to me, when I look at all that energy and your plans, it is too chaotic. So the one that you were describing to me about the communal and the you can put it anywhere um, type of project, I think very honestly, you need to rethink that whole concept because what you have thought through, in theory, it could work. But in terms of practicality, finding locations and getting it to work in terms of um, finding the people that you need to put together, getting them all to be there, to be in agreement, I think logistically it's going to be too difficult you really need to start to think about how to take into account other people's energy that will be in this project. Mm. I understand that it is your project and other people want to take it over and hijack it, and that's one issue. But the, the what I'm talking about is essentially inside your building blocks, there is too much chaos because you have not accounted for that factor of everyone else's energy that would be involved, which you would need. So for that one, I would say go back to the drawing board. Almost just forget about oh, oh. What, forget about what yeah, you thought. Yeah, I, I am not really, I am Sorry? not really like so focused on that because I I agree with you. This will unfold as like you know people coming together over that. 
like you know but i i'm really kind of my 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 number one thing is like to start actually like you know being my becoming the messenger for this project like because i have talked about this now like you know long enough i need to show what's possible like you mm. know through my own artwork and so my focus is completely also in these last few weeks has completely reoriented itself and it's like actually towards my own studio okay and yeah I, un I understand myself out i understand mm -hmm. let me sorry to interrupt you let me just finish off um what i was trying to get through the point so number one i'd like you to go back rethink everything on that because i think essentially you have a great concept but you really need to take it apart Think of it more like a scientific experiment. You have to take it apart. You need to find each element and understand its own properties in their entirety before you can put them together. Because when you put a lot of elements together, it creates something different with a completely different kind of reaction, just like the table of elements in chemistry. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that when you talk about your art and that you have been doing artwork and you have a passion about it, I think you have incredible talent. You're very, very creative. You really need to channel it more. Um, and working with your hands is a great way to do it. You need to focus more on shape and color for yourself uh, um, for your own growth and your own expression but also for the artwork itself because if you want to use the artwork for something besides your own enjoyment for other people's enjoyment and possibly for sales you need to start thinking outside the box you need to think shape and color and then reorganize everything to think about this is not only representing XYZ to me how will it be interpreted by them you know, you really have to start to see it from a different person's perspective to make it more marketable. And another point that I would like to highlight with you is when I look at your creative energy and your career path or anything work-related, I really think, number one, you need more focus. You need more grounding. So in that, I mean, get back with nature, you know, take the salt bath, whatever it is for you to get you back in your body, back in your head, every day, basic everyday things, I want you to practice grounding. Because the more grounded that you are, the easier all of these ideas are going to be for you. Because you're spending too much time outside your body, not being grounded, this is why you've got 10,000 ideas going on and floating around and you can't materialize them into what you want to do. I know this is very difficult because you think you are very grounded, but from where I'm looking... No, I, 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 I accept that the grounding thing, that's, a, that's actually like, you know, right on target. But I have a lot of like projects that I have actually like kind of finished, you know. I mean, like they, they, they are just not out in the public. I keep avoiding like, you know, moving myself out yes. into the public. Yes. Okay. So then we again go back to the grounding. The more grounded you can become, the more focused you will become. And when you have more focus, then clarity will come. And then you step by step, you work on promoting a project, one at a time, putting out little feelers. But without the grounding, without that clarity, everything else cannot happen. You have to go back to basics. So I think 
essentially you have a lot of potential, but you need to work on that for yourself first before you can get to the start of the race. If you were to do something mm. like this, I would say, let's say you could do it every day and be conscious that it is baby steps that you would have to take. It would take probably take you three or four months to get that clarity and focus. And once you do, then everything else will fall into place. And thank mm. you so much mm. for calling, Mona, but we'll have to move on to the next caller. Okay, thank you so much for uh, all the work that you're doing, both of you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have some really, really amazing callers. Our next caller via Skype, Baptiste, are you there? Going once. Going twice. Uh, hello, yes, hello. I'm here. I'm here. Your name and where you're calling from? Baptiste, and I'm living in Ibiza, Spain at the moment. Abitha, Spain. Wow. Welcome to the show. What kind of questions do you want to ask? Thank you so much to receive me. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to, to speak with you guys. And uh, I would love to hear from you my galactic history. And also, uh, I'm wondering, uh, since I'm arrived on this beautiful island, uh, my I, I feel there is something I must do here. And, uh, and somehow I always had the intuition that you can uh, support my uh, some guidance towards, yeah, I'm, I'm already working with the goddess energy of this island, which is uh, called Tanit, and, uh, and it's very powerful, so, yeah. Do you have a job on the island? Uh, I'm working on a project uh, of. Uh, I, I, w I wish that my job is uh, is my is what I love to do, and I love to to work in the garden. So yeah, we could say I have a job. I'm I'm already uh, gardening a lot and uh, taking care of of the space I've been provide. How long have you been there? Now I would say two years. Have you ever heard me talk about Abitha before? Never. Um, there was a caller that I, I did uh, in June or March last year. And it was one of the few times that I, I kind of, let's just say, pushed the envelope. The first thing to understand is that the Ibiza itself, its purpose is to cross over extra-dimensional or off-world entities. It is a physical place on our world where... If something is not a part of our incarnation or reincarnation contractual process, it has somewhere else, and then it's traveled here via ship. Ibiza is the designated place in which those spirits will attempt to travel to because there is a, a source energy function there for them to pass on. And all those people that are attracted to Ibiza are ultimately there to assist other souls who've been lost in our frequency of time and have no natural astral world to cross over to that would return them to their home frequency. So in a sense, you are there to be a galactic medium to help pass on the soul energies that have been trapped. Now, Abitha is a, is a beacon of energy. So if a soul passes on, an off-world soul or an extra-dimensional soul passes on in Asia or Australia, it will follow the natural nexus lines that take it there or it will jump onto other beings and then eventually over a hundred years or five years or ten years or whatever it is make its way there and then it'll be drawn to a high point in that place and from there it'll it'll make its journey into an astral portal 
And when you begin working on the processes of gardening there, that is your first connection into the land by giving it life so that it continue to, uh, to attract those other beings who are looking to re-enter their life frequency. Does this make sense to you? Yeah, total sense, yeah. So have you had any UFO connections since you've been there? Mm, I, I've been having some interesting meetings with people that claim to have UFO contact and uh, I've been uh, keeping myself quite uh, in, in retreat of of many uh, different types of channelings and of information mm -hmm. that that are trying a bit also to take people away from their own power mm -hmm. and uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm bringing awareness on that subject actually by being myself and uh, and I think uh, yeah, it totally makes sense to me that it's a kind of uh, of uh, the, the image I have from the beginning is this bar in Star Wars where all the the galactics are, are kind of meetings, and for me this is what Ibiza is. So yeah, I, 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 <coughs> I, we are doing some work with some shamans here on Esvedra which is, I think, the power place that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And we have been doing some special ceremonies and uh, and we have been attacked also physically in the place that we try to take care of. And, uh, and yeah, it's... Uh, so when it comes to your galactic history, um, you are Pleiadian, but that's not all that you are. That's just what you were here before before the rest of your soul arrived. So your Pleiadian version of yourself was about 11 and a half million years ago, so really early in the Pleiadian process. And you came here as a, as a soul who was finishing their sixth dimensional expression of Pleiadian coming into unity, dealing with the Galactic Federation, coming to other unions of other galaxies that had their own version of protective forces out there as well as negative forces. So your arrival here was as a soul, understanding that Earth was going to go through its humongous set of changes, and that the populations of the rest of the galaxies and the rest of the universe ultimately determined on who was going to come here and throw themselves into the frying pan, and then out of the frying pan they were going to go right into a really hot oven. Because that's what it meant, coming here. And you volunteered as a soul, along with billions and billions of others, to mass incarnate here on Earth to try to overwhelm the system of domination and control at its very foundation of what can it physically control and what is too much for it to control. During your first sets of evolutions here is where many of your past life Pleiadian expressions began to teach you about conscious manifestation and altering the realities around you. So one of the many lifetimes that you led here was a person that could mass irrigate a desert. When reality-altering weapons were used here in a, in a, in a concept, what, what it took, a, a lush reality, and reduced it to its most basic expression, which is dust and sand, with wind and sun blowing around it. And you were one of those people that had wisdom and mental technology and spiritual technology linked with the DNA, so in a matter of months, what was a altered reality of sand and wind became a reality of desert oases with farms and agriculture linked to that process. Mm -hmm. so within, the use, the, sorry, the use of pyramid also? The use of what? Pyramid? Um, no, 
That didn't come until later into the process. This was just you as a soul being born on Earth had this natural ability built inside your DNA to go out into a destroyed reality that had nuclear weapons or something else used upon it and take away the negative imprint and once again reconnect the land into the natural energy of the reality of Earth's dream mind and then along with several thousand other peoples literally repopulate a barren reality with all the like microorganisms that require for life. You can, from the ground up, from the worms and the microorganisms up to the dogs and the cats, can reintegrate that DNA on the surface. Okay. Okay? So, other lifetimes were pyramid building. Once Earth was in a process where it wasn't constantly being attacked, the next level of your Pleiadian bloodlines came through, which was a building of stone structures, not necessarily pyramids. Pyramids have been on Earth for a very long time. Are you familiar with the, the Incan um, ruin of Sasi Woman? Um, I've heard about it, but never been there. Right. That is an example of a Pleiadian hybrid long skull expression of, of stone technology, where there was a unified expression here on the physical world that was trying to teach people mm, techniques of the mind and the spirit to reconnect to their DNA. So ancient future versions of themselves had a floating zero-point frequency of time. Yeah. Okay? So your galactic history is about seeding all of the other versions of yourself here. So once you became a earthling and were bound into the four timeline paradoxes, other versions of yourself that were in other galaxies that were not aware that you, as a Pleiadian, had incarnated into Earth they began to feel a call from your original soul throughout all expressions of time to come and find this planet Earth. And one of your oldest soul shards came to Earth at the time of the second Lemurian fall, around 31 million years ago. And 31 million years ago is where you realized your original seeded DNA as a Pleiadian was already in the DNA mixture of the Lemurians. This created a grand puzzle for the oldest soul shard that was you. It just found something that was older than it, using the manipulations of time. You connected to some of your original founder species, which were called Plankton. And what the Plankton did is they built life, literally. They built the DNA skin suits that many other galaxies use. They are not the founders of this galaxy. They are not the founders of the human race something completely different, another expression. And when, the, when they became aware of it, they began mass incarnating into Saturn, into Mars, because they understood someone was trying to hijack the entire system of belief and time. And they could not allow that to happen to their own species. This is the lessons of you, integrating thousands of other soul shards in a non-competition format to bring all the knowledge and wisdom here because the mass incarnation process means the greatest teachers from the greatest galaxies and the greatest universes need to be I am present grounded here in the now so we can speak the words of truth and that's why you're here brother yeah, speak I truth can feel, I can feel that and uh, yeah can can you relate with the fact that uh, that it's a kind of responsibility I carry from calling all this other part of myself 
and uh, I, I always felt that uh, that uh, yeah, if I don't do that, it, it might be dangerous for for other people or somehow. This is your tough point. And this is where I want to bring Kathy in to really talk about your material world and how grounding in the material world will ultimately open up your spiritual world even more. Hi, Baptiste. Hey. So at the moment, um, you are doing the gardening for work, is that right? Yeah, I, I try to... to I try to invest as as much as possible energy into self-sustainability for myself and people that might be around me. And uh, it's my focus. And I also work on grounding myself a lot because uh, I've been a bit like the, the last caller that you just got. I, I've been a lot into this, uh, this, uh, this wish of sharing myself with others in a community kind of frame. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this has been a, a, a life uh, dream for me, and I'm working also with uh, with uh, Sasha Stone for the New Earth, and we might uh, come uh, together to to bring something to life here. Uh, so I'm very happy to receive your your reflection on that. Mm. When I look at the energy that you have around you, and in terms of work or career. I would say at the moment I would call it you're in like a state of flux. You're not really moving ahead. You're not really moving back. Um, the concepts that you have um, and that you've been thinking about are interesting and good. I don't know that they totally suit you in terms of where you want to get. Um, certainly what you are involved with and what you're thinking about is very worthwhile for the world, the people, the universe. I don't know that it's going to bring you any financial gain, though. And at the end of the day, you know, we as beings have a physical body with physical needs and finances are, you know, we don't really want to talk about it, but that is something that we need as a means to an end. So really, you need to start thinking a little bit more, how can I put it, mainstream in terms of getting some (coughs) Incoming. Yeah, I, I, I've been learning recently about that. Uh, okay, we're just coming up for a break. Can you just hold on, Baptiste? To you guys, actually. Okay, okay, just hang on. Uh, after the music, we'll get back to you. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us today in the Adventures into Reality with the amazing Andrew Batsitz and myself, Kathy Ma. Don't forget, you can get a private session with Andrew or myself by contacting Tanok at Tanok at GalacticHistorian.com. We'll be able to get to the bottom of your issues and help you see a better way ahead. So go ahead and contact Tanok, T-E-N-O-C-H, at GalacticHistorian.com. Baptiste, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Great. Um, when I was looking at your energy, I would say, let me put this another way. Have you ever done any writing or um, teaching, speaking? Mm, I'm still looking for the confidence of doing that in the world that is uh, surrounding us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know how that feels. <laughs> 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 and 
not always easy to find that little confidence in yourself, right? Um, I ask you this because to me, it looks like you have a lot to say, a lot that is very meaningful and can produce very fruitful fruitful results for you in terms of financial. Um, I see you writing a lot. So if you haven't written yet, do you already do like journals or notes? Not at all. Not at all. Ooh. Well, I see that in your future. (laughs) If you're not journaling it, you're faking it. (laughs) And that's the truth. That's a harsh truth. Everyone out there in the spiritual world has to accept for themselves. If you're not journaling your life, you're faking it. Mm. Well, today is the start of a new day and you can put pen to paper and start because you have so many thoughts in your head. You have, not only are you very creative, but you have a lot of very significant things to say. So what I would do is start writing now. And you don't need to have a goal in terms of I must write about this topic or that topic. Just write. Whatever it is, just write it down. In a month's time, go back and have a look. All your thoughts or your ideas or your daily experiences. And you will start to see the theme. Because to me, you have a lot of really important things to say to people. And teaching them on how to do things is really, really significant for you. The sooner you start this, the sooner you will get going and be able to reap some rewards. But not only the financial rewards. To me, it's very rewarding for you because I know you said you're a little bit afraid to, you know, step up and speak. But it's not just that. I think when you start to do it and you see people's faces, their reaction to what you have to say, that's all the reward you will need and it will give you all the confidence that you need. The fact that you can make a difference in someone else's life who is really miserable and doesn't know where to go will make a huge difference to you and it will fuel you to go further with what you're going to be doing. Um, So it's okay to continue with the gardening and the self-sustaining food and other research with other people. Um, But in terms of, let's call it your life's work that you will be embarking upon, that will actually also help you financially, the sooner you start it, the better off you'll be. Not only for your own personal growth, but in terms of, you know, financial stability and being able to create a nest egg for yourself. When you do public speaking, um, one of the reasons you get so nervous is because you start staring at one specific person, which, you know, in most cases tends to work for speakers, but in your case it does not. When you do public speaking, look out into the crowd or even if it's just three people, look out towards them, but look just above them and then Use your eyes and just defocus a bit so everything is kind of blurry. Imagine it's like you you didn't put your glasses on, so everything looks a bit hazy to you. You can do that without squinting, so it won't be a problem. But when you don't see people's faces while you're speaking, your confidence will come. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of sharing of myself with people, and it has been a bit of the trouble to... And what you were speaking about, about this joy of seeing their face and their reaction to what I have to say, this has been part of my reality. 
and uh, and I have I had some difficulty I would say to put it in a format like you guys that uh, that gives the the capacity to people to reach you and to get the help they need and and uh, I, I I'm really supported not only by this call I'm having right now with you but also to listen to your show and I think you're doing a really uh, important job for for humanity and I I'm getting inspired by you guys and. Uh, and I'm grateful for that and for your reflection. It's uh, it's it's definitely resonating with me. Mm, good. Well, thank you. Thank you for the lovely compliments. Um, but one of the reasons you're having difficulty is purely you haven't written anything down yet. The mm-hmm. more you start writing it, the, the clearer it will become to you. It's it's hard to conceptualize how to put ideas together or format them if you haven't written them down, because as you write them down, you'll cross it off and you'll correct yourself later. And that's, you know, editing is much easier than creating in many ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and it's one of the things that you will find that is fulfilling, which I think is one of the things you, you're kind of searching for. One of the reasons probably you have moved there is because you're looking for that fulfillment, but you're really not sure where to go to get it. Yeah, I have a good uh, sense. It's uh, I'm in the right place for myself, and uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I, I will definitely start to write. And it has been also in my thoughts because I'm losing track of my thought process, you know. And it will uh, help me to to keep a track on that, and like you said, to 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 put it in a format that uh, after some time will make perfect sense to me. So great. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for calling, Baptiste. Thank you so much, guys, and uh, have a beautiful day. You, you too. Thank you for calling all the way from Ibiza, Spain. Thank you, guys. See you. Ciao. Special callers, Kathy. Special callers. No, so interesting. So our next caller is Amanda. She called in last month. 702, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Very good. How have things since the last time you called? Well, you know, I, I actually called, um, I can relate to Kathy's story when you guys first opened. Um, my father passed away the day after Easter. And I just, um, I wanted to just call and get some inside. Did, did, we, did we make the right decisions? Is he at peace with everything that happened? Okay. Well, Kathy, why don't you you, you step on in there? Mm. When I look at um, your, your yourself, your decisions, your dad, to me, everything was as it should be. Don't have any self-doubt. It's really easy to second-guess yourself later, but everything that was done was the way it was meant to be. So it's all good. Hard but good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something we... She's kind of been to this point a couple times before, so it's, you know, it's not a complete shock, but, you know, this time it was like there was really nothing they could do for him, so it was, you know, kind of had a, like, hopeless, you know, and I just... Yeah, I know. And, you know, no matter how much you know it's going to happen... You're never totally prepared. I mean, one can never be prepared for that moment 
you know, the logical mm-hmm. mind and the emotional body are two different things. Mm-hmm. But in your your dad's case, I mean, really the important thing for him is that the timing was right. It was all good. And that's really what you need to take away from that. It doesn't stop us missing him. It doesn't stop us, you know, thinking what we wouldn't give for another day. Mm-hmm. But... It was time. Okay. But I feel, I feel totally what you're saying, definitely. Another thing I would like to also sort of highlight with this situation is, you know, you think that you have left things unsaid, whereas I look at it and I don't think that there was anything left unsaid. Um... You you may not have had every conversation that you wished you had had, but everything he needed to know, he knew. And everything you needed to know, you know. And that's really the most anyone can ask for. Um, and one of the things that I found, which I probably you might resonate with, is that you might mourn that specific time when the passing goes on but the grieving process takes much longer and you almost find yourself thinking of being such a wuss you know it's been like two months now you know get hold of yourself stop stop this grieving process stop randomly crying but in actual fact that's just you know everyone else saying that to you subconsciously really you have to allow the grieving process and it will take as long as it takes you need to allow yourself that space to grieve and that time and some people you know it takes years some people never get over it but without that grieving process it's like you're not honoring that connection that you had with them so it's okay to grieve it's okay to take a long time it's okay to take time to heal it's it there is no schedule and each person does it in their own unique way. Some people do it in a joyous way. Some people do it in a angry way. You know, all those mix of emotions will come by. Don't be judged by what other people say should be happening. It is what it is for you. And when I look at your energy, you've still got some more grieving to go. And that's totally okay. Take as much time as you need. And if you suddenly find yourself weepy or angry or lost, it's all good. It's all part of it. Just trust in that your body knows itself the best and it will all come together in the end. I think um, one of the things for me I, I really grieved about was that I really, I really thought to some degree that I didn't spend enough time with my dad and, um, you know, to, to the last few years, he would call me every day, maybe six times a day and, <laughs> you know, to the point where you're like, oh no, it's him. <laughs> so so you, you do know, logically your mind does know that you spent a lot of time and you shouldn't feel bad about it, but, you know, what you wouldn't give for that annoying phone call. Um, uh, but it, it, it's like, 
even though my logical mind knows that I couldn't have done more, my emotional mind, my emotional body keeps chastising myself. And, you know, I'll even make myself cry thinking about it. When I know that's wrong, I shouldn't feel like that. But it's, I think it's just all part of you miss it and your heart just can't adapt completely yet. And, you know, the time will come where it will adapt. But it's often the annoying things which you, that drove you crazy that you miss and you're now chastising <laughs> yourself about. <laughs> Not the big things like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> it's like, oh, I was so impatient last time, you know. Um, but, you know, y- your dad knew you so well. When I look at the energy between the two of you, he did. He knew you like the back of his hand. So, you know, don't have any yeah. regrets like that. You know, but I, I totally get where you're coming from. <laughs> For me, it's been two years and I, I still have that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I talk to other people and, you know, all the clients I've seen. And some people, 10 years later, they still have it. Some people don't. So each, each person operates at a different pace. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, want, I, I, I want to do something here real quick. So, Amanda, you, you said your father died on Easter Day? Um, the day after. Day after. On, on Monday. Yeah. What was his first name? Gary, uh, Gary. Gary. How old was he? He was 55. He'll be 50. He would have been 56 this year. 55. So I'm, I'm going to do a little thing where I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, and we're going to open some portals here and, and help the grieving energy get out of your body because right now it's just stuck in there stuck in your parasympathetic so just say after repeat after me i in this ever-present moment i in this ever-present moment choose to acknowledge my father choose to acknowledge my father and the pen his passing from this world to the other in his passing from this world to the other my love for him is eternal my love for him is eternal. And with this act of the I am present self now. And with this act of the I am present now. I release my father Gary. I release my father Gary. From any spiritual contracts left undone. From any spiritual contracts left undone. So he may go into the astral world. So he may go into the astral world. As an incarnating being. As an incarnating being. I do this out of joy and love. I do this out of joy and love. I call to the physical body. I call to the physical body. That resides in me. That resides in me. To bring up the love stories. To bring up the love stories. The victories I accomplished with my father Gary. The victories that I accomplished with my father Gary. And all the trials and tribulations we had growing up. And all the trials and tribulations we had growing up. He is my father teacher. He is my father teacher. And I honor them him with each and every word I speak. And I honor him in each and every word I speak. I call to the sacred portals of life. I call to the sacred portals of life. To connect to my father Gary. To connect to my father Gary. To assist him in the process. To assist him in the process. Of his own life review. 
of his own life review. I share all of my ancestral connections. I share all of my ancestral connections. And all of my guardian beings. And all of my guardian beings. So I may see my father in the next lifetime. So I may see my father in the next lifetime. And so be it. So be it. That is something you may want to start regularly doing on your own when you feel the emotional triggers coming up. Okay. Okay. Kathy, is there anything that you want to add? No, I think that was really good. I mean, I said it along too for myself and it feels good. I feel at peace. I feel like Amanda's energy has really changed and that she will also find more peace. It's good. Very. Amanda, you have a really good day and on your journey into grieving, allow yourself to cry. Allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to finish this process because when you do, you will honor your father greatly by making sure all parts of his soul shards and all dimensions, time streams, galaxies and universes are not in a reincarnating process, but a fully sovereign, incarnating astral being. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you both. Thank you. You're welcome very much. Thanks. Kathy, again, we are once again having some amazing, amazing phone calls. I know. Very amazing. I mean, they're touching all different emotions, angles, spectrums of life. <laughs> Yes. So we're going to move on to our next caller. Jake, are you there? Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? How's been things been going? You are again. You called out last month. How have things been going for you? Oh, it's been amazing. I'm trying to uh, disentangle myself a bit from these past few calls. It's been very emotional. Um, yeah, it, it's been amazing, really. Um, my Equinox went really well. Uh, I had a shift in perspective, which has really opened a few doors for me. So I'm, I'm very, very happy. And, you know, a beautiful synchronicity has just occurred with uh, the previous caller when you started talking about honor. And I only recently have come to discover how important that word is, honor, and honoring the ancestors and honoring myself. And, uh, yeah, it's so important, I feel, in today's world to to have honor and respect on a human level for what we go through and um yeah it's just <laughs> it's been amazing really amazing so yeah, yeah thank you to all the previous callers who have called in it's been everyone amazing. is a, everyone is our teacher and what is the question that you would like to ask um well i'm trying to figure which figure out which one to start with but um I think I'd like to start with the stream read. I've had a previous um, some some knowledge of my past from you, but uh, mm -hmm. an overall mm -hmm. reading would be lovely. Okay. So, what year were you born? Uh, 1994. So, as a process of a stream read, um, some of the things that have been going on in your life have now been waiting about two million years to find resolution. So there was a series of lifetimes between 2,100,000 and 2,600,000 years ago 
where you were traveling from the southern tip of Africa to the southern tip of Argentina, um, and you were traveling via via flying flying vessel, not a space vessel, but an actual vessel that can fly from point to point. And this was going from one bubble of reality to another. And at some point, the time rift wars reignited. And as part of your journey from one side to the other, you got like a lot of energy coming through this. Um, have you had a dream about this? Getting lost in an airplane? Um, I've had a dream about orbs, white orbs. I, I don't know about. Not, right, just, just hold, just hold on a second. Our, that's our break music. We'll come back to you right after the break. Okay, thanks. And welcome back, everyone. Jake, are you still there? Yep, still here. We were talking about your dream with orbs. Now, you now, when did this orb dream you have it? It happened in 2013, around about August or the summer of 2013. Okay, um, this is not related to this. Uh, so what I was referring to is you were traveling back and forth between the tip of Africa and the tip of Argentina in an actual, like, airplane. And you got caught in a rift that opened up and it pulled you out of the rift. And once you were in the rift, you were in an extra dimensional realm and found yourself with seventh and eighth density beings who were trying to put you back inside time because some some event had had occurred that transferred your soul existence off of one timeline and grafted it onto another timeline. And one of the things that you, you have been re-experiencing is what I call a recapitulation of old soul frequencies. So one of the reasons you had such a hard time getting stuff going was you were missing a significant part of your soul shard that keeps you in heavy motivation and heavy inspiration. And that part that's now trying to make its way in is what is helping you on your, your next level of existence, your next level of soul integration. Because you've already experienced a tremendous amount of the soul. The body is unable to remember it right now. Yeah. Okay. So what else has gone on that that has shown you shown you a new a new level of understanding? Um I don't know. I just woke up one day after a dream. It was the Monday before the equinox. And um it was a number of dreams I had and I had this phrase in my head. You're a quarter of the way through the year. What do you have to show for it? And it didn't feel like a negative sort of sense. It was sort of like a motivational feeling to uh, to create. And from there, throughout the week leading up to the equinox, um, I think on the Friday before, I had this tremendous feeling of unlimit- um, unlimitedness about the potentials of what we can create in this new time, free from fraud time and free from the constraints that's held us back and just all the, the veil was like lifted from me in my sight and I could just see everything I could do. I didn't have to choose between polarities of one thing or the other. I could do a number of things and incorporate it all into one unique thing um, career-wise with music and sound healing and um, yeah, the possibilities just feel much more expanded now. You felt Um, your potential change. And this is where I'm saying that soul shard is beginning to reintegrate to you. But that soul shard has been outside of time. And it's been, it's been in an extra-dimensional frequency of time for so long. It has a very difficult time of integrating into you. Think of it like you're trying to download a file and you're only getting 60% or 70% of the file. 
So each time the soul is trying to come in, it's not coming in as a complete shard. So you're repeating this process. So what I can advise for you is very much start saying out loud your name, your time and date of birth. If you know what time you were born, it doesn't have to be exact. You know, you're Jake, you're born here at this time, and then say, I am Jake of this time here where I live now. So that your voice begins to echo to your physical body where in space-time you are. So when the soul shard goes through its next phase of dreaming, echoing through the body is who you are and where you are. That will create a homing frequency for that particular shard to tune into you who can make a sacred moment during a ceremony based off of the naming of times and dates of who you are, where you are, and when you are several days in a row that leads up to a ceremony where your intention is to ground yourself in space-time for any soul shards that are ready to reintegrate to you without competition and to be a part of the healing process of Jake in the now, to expand your knowingness and awareness to the highest levels and for you to not lose your I am presence interaction as Jake. Yeah, I feel that. Completely. Honor the ancestors by protecting the ceremony grounds, by bringing spiritual courts of equity, by summoning every ancestor in positive guidance to be a part of that ceremony. Bless the outdoor sacred wood or indoor sacred wood. Do your contract revocations within, in and around the space so that you have actually done conscious application of the sacred from step to step to step. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have been doing that in my cer- in my ceremonies. A bit, this uh, is a directed intention to that one soul shard, though. Okay. You've been doing it in general. You're yeah. going to give a doorway for that one soul shard. And then your subsequent ceremonies after that, will any other soul shards that are in the queue to come into your body based off of what space-time frequency they're in. Because your space-time frequency is going to change with each second to the day. Yeah. So so with this particular soul shard, is it important for me to know its name, to know... No. 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 You just have to understand that it is, it is the part of your soul that gives you the greatest confidence and motivation in the physical existing skills of this soul. It's a part of your oversoul that, that is got caught in a time travel war scenario, a rift war. And and is it a synchronicity? Or it is in one aspect, because when I look at the Akashic record for this purpose, your soul agreed to have this part of you be removed for the last two million years. And now that it's coming back in, you're the person that's experienced the last two million years. And it is going to be using your DNA as its referential experience of how to come and resolve for all the beings that it's missed its chance to grieve because they've lived for two million years while he was gone. And for him, it was but nothing more than six or seven versions of his months that he spent in the extra-dimensional world. But in fact, it was millions of years. He has no frame of reference in any way, shape, or form. And it is a male counterpart. And there will be a bunch of others that begin to climb up the ladder or down the ladder to find you in this version of space-time. And this is where you can set up your own library of the soul shards that are beginning to immigrate to you. Because they will not just be immigrating from this world, from many thousands of other worlds. Wow. 
it's time for you to set up your spiritual hotel where in quite literally you pull out pen and paper and you draw a hotel and that hotel is something you're going to visualize your own mind build out of stone you know just like the ancient pyramids were built by people who pick up a rock and put it in place in your own mind you can create that hologram until there's this big stone hotel that has the space to hold everyone that's coming there that has your personal guides and guardians and healers on on staff so that as they're integrating into you your staff your people your crew your spiritual people and ancestors are a part of the integration process. So as a separate soul shard, should I honor him as as a being that's separate from me or to try and merge with him as the oversoul? I'm trying to understand the mechanics of this the is, time. This so. is your conundrum. It believes it's the oversoul. Oh, okay. But it's not. What the oversoul means is the oldest version of our source stream from where we incarnated in the original source and the original point of this universal light. At times, source splits itself up with two distinct separate frequencies, and one can get rapidly older than the other. And this is what has occurred. So you have to begin to explain to this soul shard in a one-way conversation, in a sense, that you are Jake. You are the being that's experienced these last 54 million years. You were not here during the times of generational change from two million years ago. This is what I've known has gone on. Compare it to your DNA memories. See how the streams of consciousness seamlessly or flawlessly or flawed in between the, the linear versions of expression and how the non-linear versions are everywhere. That is what you're coming to right now. Kathy, can you take over for just a second? Yes. Jake, you said you had a couple of questions. What were the other ones? Oh, yes. Um, uh, I was actually meaning to ask you, ask you specifically, Kathy, about um, there's a room that I'm trying to rent out for my shamanism workshops, um, and uh, the, the, the owner of the, of the place has asked me to do a course in order to show if I'm energetically and spiritually ready to, to, to work there. And he also has some qualms about um, noise, because I'm going to be using drums and whatnot. Um, I was just wondering, is it worth pursuing this particular room, or are there other rooms which I should probably be looking at? Um, okay. Um, did, did you say he wanted you to do a course? Yeah. If, 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 he felt as if the spiritual integrity needed to be maintained or something along those lines. So um, I, I didn't understand okay. it. Honest, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was a bit of an ego trip, if I'm being honest. But um, You know, honestly, I probably didn't even need to ask you that question. I'd say this is not for you. Um, I don't really like the energies of this particular uh, spot or room or center that you're talking about. Um I would look further away. I know it's not as convenient for you in terms of travel, but look a little bit further away because I do see something else that is much more ideal for you. Um, and the first thing you'll notice about it is when you go there, it's very bright. Okay. And to me, with what you do and 
you know, the energy that you're in right now, bright is very important because it's very regenerating and rejuvenating for you and everyone else. And I like it a lot. And I think you'll find that in terms of money, it's slightly cheaper as well. Granted, it's a little bit further away, so I guess it's neither here nor there overall. But when you see it, it will be, oh, I know. I mean, you you know, you, you haven't come across it yet. Let me say probably mm, if you look for it every day, I would say you probably find it in under three weeks. Okay. Um, is it if I was to, if I was to give you like a direction of of where I am, like in what general area, would you say it's outside of London in the countryside? Southwest London, maybe. Mm, I would say it's not very far out of London. I don't know that I'd call it country, but it's not in the busy centre. It's further out, in more like I guess you'd call it in the suburbs, um, and it would be accessible by tube and walking. It's not like 10,000 miles away that you hard to get to. It's a quieter location, um, relatively low crime rate. Uh, you would recognize the neighborhood more easily because you would see older people there. And your first thing would be, wow, I don't know. Is it like too aging a kind of area? But at the flip side, it's also makes it a more safer environment and not so noisy. Yeah. Okay. I, I have some ideas. I'll, I'll look into that. And I would suspect it's not necessarily like in a healing center. You know, I would look, think beyond the box, uh, out of the box. Um, you know, it, I'm just making this up. It could even be a room in like a business center. Um, I don't think that's what it is. But, you know, don't just limit yourself to only healing center kind of places. Okay. Um yeah, while we're also on the on the subject of my career, um, uh, where do you do you think I should focus more on towards finishing my case studies and getting qualified as a alternative therapist, or just to go straight for setting up a, um, workshops, regardless of the qualifications, and just do my contacts and people I know get a clientele base based on people I know from the shamanism workshop or whatnot? I think in terms of um, technique, knowledge, um, let's call it actual qualifications, you're ready. But I probably would suggest you continue with the study just purely for the piece of paper that would be handy to put out later. But I wouldn't pursue it in a huge way. If you can downgrade it to do it at a slower rate over time, and focus more on what you actually want to do, that's probably the way to go. Because you have enough knowledge, you have enough expertise, you have enough practice. Well, can one ever have enough practice, I suppose? Um, but you know what I mean? Like, you're ready. Um, but in terms of, and I'm, what I'm seeing, it's more like there must be some sort of um, body or organization that you want to register register yourself with um, and they would probably require 
a certificate or something to make that process easier so that they would do some sort of endorsement. Um, so that's why it's probably going to be handy to continue with the training and get the certificate. Okay. Um, oh, what can I say? So, oh, it's completely gone. <laughs> so yeah. you, you, that's yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think yes. Andrew has some insight. <laughs> so, so, what what classes have you have you already taken? I did a sound healing course a year and a half ago, and I'm, I still have to do the case studies for that. Um, I've been looking into a pleasure and you know, craniosacral. Um, I've had a couple of sessions actually done. I had one done last Friday. Got one done. Gonna have another one done this Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to get the foundational um, anatomy uh, course to be able to do it, it's only in October. I think the nearest one from it's either, it's either September or October. So I have to wait a while before I even get the anatomy class and then do craniosacral. So it's kind of a bit of like a waiting game. I've been waiting for a good couple of months for certain things to happen. But um, okay. when yeah. it comes comes to sound healing, you could market yourself just as a sound healing therapy, deep relaxation therapy, and you don't need any 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 really certificates. But Kathy is right. You do need to continue just to have things because you are going to be continuously learning about what's going on in life. There are other things that you can do. You can go and take Reiki 1 and 2 and even Reiki 3 in a period of five weeks or just on the weekends. So you start with a piece of paper. Yeah. Now, technically, there's your sound healing course just in its own self is its own piece of paper. Yeah. I guess it's just, um, again, with the marketing, how do I you know, get the client base? and? Well, um, that's that's the business side. How are you going to network yourself? And you were asking if you should just start it before these, these other pieces of paper. The answer is yes. So you know what is in your local area. And your first set of experiences, are you charging? That'll be up to you. You know, if you're going to go and get an office right away, then yes, put that to work. So that each day you leave your home, you have an office, your fourth dimensional business plan to build. That's setting yeah. yourself on the course now as the professional who begins to learn through the process of trial and error of what to do and what to not do. Beginning of learning how to book yourself, how to write emails back and forth between clients because you've never done it before from a client perspective. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so putting together the healing sound room, that should be pretty easy. Computer and some speakers and lights and a nice chair. Mm. <laughs> and then whatever sound you're going to use in front of them. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some bean bags. Or even be. better, why don't you look for a barber's chair? Yeah. yeah. Something that represents that the physical body will go, that's a very different style chair to be in here. That will relax differently. Mm. I, I thought initially about doing group uh, uh, group workshops just to be able to to like I said, grow my client base and then do one-on-one sessions once. So you you want to do both because yeah. it's the individuals that will bring the bigger groups. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> really exciting. 
Kathy, what do, what do you have to add to the business side there? When I look at it, I would say, you know, sometimes groups are not so easy to handle. Um, when you're first starting out, one-on-one has a lot of advantages. Not so much because you're, like, testing out your technique. I, I don't really mean it like that. But each person that you deal with gives you some insight and some knowledge about how to deal on a, um, let's call it like a healer, teacher, speaker kind of perspective. Because what you think will happen and what really happens tend to be quite different. And allowing yourself time to learn it and process it and incorporate it can take a little bit of time. So even though you have something already set out in your mind, possibly exploring it on a one-on-one might be more advantageous to you than a group. Because a group is also difficult to take control of. Not that I mean you should control people, but to manage, I suppose, is a better word. Um, And then how do you take the order of questions, things like this. And it can be quite overwhelming when you first start out. Um, And I agree with Andrew that having a unique chair is a really good idea because it's a focal point, it's a feature point, it makes people not so nervous, they concentrate on something different, and it's also a lead-in to something else. And it takes their mind out of an expected response to something completely different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. One. I think. I've always had a, an issue more with one-on-ones. I find it a bit too, too intimate at times. Especially, I've had a few boundary issues, and it just, you know, it, it kind of scares me a little to do one-on-one. I find it much more comfortable to do groups because it's not, you're not really focusing on one particular person, and it's not that level mm-hmm. of a. You're multi-dimensionally are focusing on every person. Yeah. Remember, you are healing. You aren't just healing the person of the now. It's all the other versions of themselves, too. So when you go into a group, you are you are um, a higher layer in the implicate order. But in this particular perspective that you're saying you don't like to do individuals because there's still something in yourself you feel you haven't healed enough to make yourself a professional level. You still don't believe you're healed enough to heal others, when in fact you are. Hmm. It's just the boundaries. Uh, it just feel. I mean, uh, what is what? What exactly about it? They might start crying in front of you, and there's no one else to act as a second first response to the crier, and you might have to respond to it. Um, no. Um, if I'm going to be very blunt, it's more the. Um, uh, if I'm going to be very honest, it's be about blunt. The, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the, the lines between, um, you know, professional and and personal. If I'm a. Uh, hypothetically attracted to someone or I start feeling emotions of, of like love and whatnot while I'm you know getting close to someone professionally it's just having that boundary of separating and it's just I don't know it's came up to me it's came up during the craniosacral thing it, I've, I've just had this fear of, of people getting too close to me or I'm getting too close to them and not knowing where I stand so it's you kind have of to bit, figure like, out where that came from what yeah. part of you created that belief system that is now creating issues in your life. Yeah, it's very strange. I, I can't really identify where it's coming from. No, let me help you. It's inside your DNA. 
It's it came with you in your lineage. If you really look at your mother and father, you will see the same reflection in them. Okay. And you might even see how they taught you it subtly as you were growing up. There's never a free lunch out there. Everything costs you something. Whenever you get close to people, they hurt you. Yeah, love, love with strings attached. Right, love with strings attached. If you're truly the emanation of love without strings attached, if somebody does come to you and you do feel some form of attraction, this is where you tell the body, this is professional. Any levels of attraction you feel are now transmuted into the natural healing factor and form for this this person. This is where you dial down the body energy and remind it you're the soul. You are not a you are not allowing this habit pattern to create an issue with boundaries. So on a very subtle level, it's your parasympathetic that is creating these emotional energies that you don't have enough control. If somebody was there professionally and breaking down and you'd have to show them love. Love does not lead into sexual attraction. That is the perversion of what the parasympathetic is trying to create, the perception of it. Yeah, I guess it's just staying that frequency, the high vibration of, of removing sex from, from love. Yeah, Sex is not love first. The sensual yeah. is far more powerful than the sexual. And a sensual touch has no sexual relation to it. And that is the power of the human touch, that sensual touch to connect soul to facilitator. Yeah, it's just unblurring the lines between all those separation densities. Um, do you mind if I ask one more question, if, if you have time? Sure, sure, sure. Um, it was about a year and a half ago, um, I think I started communicating with someone who's, who's quite, who's, who's quite, um, okay, <laughs> right. You gotta go quick. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll, I'll save it for the, in another three months, maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Thanks great. a lot, Jake. You were a really fun call. Thanks for calling in. Great. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Andrew. All right, everyone. And just after this radio show at 1.30, if you are a Galactic Historian, AndrewBartis.com member, we will be having a special Akashic broadcast where we'll be taking you guys on a spiritual journey through a meditation teaching to the moon and then to the sun. Thanks a lot, everyone. We'll see you next time.